0: You're listening to episode 71 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to make it through race day mentally. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got the Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, and welcome to episode 71.
1: Hi, lady and Runners.
0: Hi Ryan, how is it going?
1: I'm doing well. How about you?
0: Well, depends on who you ask, right? If you ask me.
1: I was asking you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, if you ask me today, the day this comes out, oh, I don't know, I'm true. probably going to be limping because this is a future recording. We're pre-recording this episode two weeks ahead of time, because by the time this episode airs, I will be in Germany and I will just have finished the Berlin Marathon yesterday, meaning that this episode comes out on September 27th.
1: So how did the race go? <laughs>
0: I would love to know that, right?
1: <laughs> you should predict. It'll be fun to listen to after.
0: All right. So the race went well, as in, well, I finished and I feel good because inevitably I always feel good after completing the distance. The distance is a beast, but I'm probably in pain and limping right now. Sitting. What was your time? <laughs> I don't want to predict time.
1: Come
0: on. Hopefully sub 3.20. So pick a time. All right. 3.19.59. All right um nail it down but then you know maybe next week we'll do a recap episode and you'll hear me say that my marathon time is 4:29 no shame in that no shame in the game if i completed it i'll be happy
1: yeah i mean you never ran it so you never know how hard it's going to be
0: yeah but it's supposed to be a flat course and it's supposed to be 20 degrees cooler than the weather down here in florida
1: that's a lot different
0: yeah, so let's see how that'll affect us runners. But anyway, we're going to be talking to a sports psychologist today, and we're going to talk about how we're going to go through race day, how we're going to get through race day. And unfortunately, to all my friends running Berlin, this episode is one day too late. Um I obviously am getting to record this interview a week before the marathon happens. Um, But of course, there's still tons of people running london and boston and chicago and all the other fall marathons so hopefully this can be of benefit for them
1: so what did you talk about
0: so we talked about the concept that you know how they always say the marathon is 90 percent mental we're going to talk about
1: the mental game
0: the mental game we're going to talk about what to think about during your marathon um is it best to think about the mile that you're in and focusing, or is it best to just kind of drift off and think about other important things in your life?
1: Is there a best or is everyone different?
0: Exactly. We're also going to ask him, we're also going to talk to him about the whole concept of finding your why. You know how people say in order to stay motivated with a sport, you have to find the reason why you're training and um, that why has to be bigger than saying I'm running to shed a few pounds.
1: Why am I doing this? People are probably saying that when they're running, (laughs) when they're running.
0: Oh, you believe it. I've said it so many times. Why did I travel all the way to leave my family to do this to myself?
1: <laughs>
0: We're also going to touch on running mantras and, you know, a bunch of things. A, B, C goals. So your A goal would be running a PR. And if you can tell by running that this is not going to happen, it's good to have a B goal so you don't just completely let go.
1: And then if you don't want to run at all, you go to the beach and you have seagulls. <laughs>
0: Stupid joke. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about visualization and ask him for some last minute tips of how to make it through this marathon, because obviously he has experience coaching people and he he knows what's going on in your head. So it's nice to hear what he suggests.
1: Sounds interesting. Yeah. Without further ado.
0: We're now going to play our conversation with Dr. Justin Ross. All right. So I'm here with Dr. Justin Ross. Justin, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. And for our listeners that don't know who you are, can you please uh, introduce yourself to them? Tell us who you are, where you live, and um, how you are an expert in this type of field.
2: Yeah. So, uh, well, my name is Justin. I'm a clinical psychologist specializing in, in health and wellness and human performance psychology. I live in Denver, Colorado, in the States. Um, I work with athletes of all ability levels from the recreational to the professional on issues related to both mental health and then performance psychology. And I'm also an endurance kind of junkie myself. I'm a 11 time marathon runner, six BQs. I've gotten back into the bike in the last year or so and uh, uh, I'm dabbling a little bit in mountain bike racing. So um, that's me in a nutshell.
0: That sounds like a fun lifestyle too. So I guess you can relate to to us runners that are right now in the taper face and have marathons coming up. So that's that's really cool.
2: Yeah, it's exciting to see that uh, fall marathons are going to happen this year. It's exciting to, to have those back.
0: Yeah, and it's been actually, as bad as this may sound, a nice distraction to have all these COVID things and travel things happening because they distract you from Whatever you would be thinking about, otherwise, over analyzing your training and and all that. Now we're just worried to, for instance, make it out of the country to go to Berlin or London and actually make it there. So it's been kind of nice in that sense.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I had um, it's interesting. I, I was scheduled to run both Berlin and London this fall, so just coming up here and opted to defer to next year. Just given the uncertainty that we had all year about what was going to happen with these events. So definitely looking forward to tackling them uh, next year.
0: Oh, nice. That sounds awesome. So let me get started. So today we're talking about um, how to make it through a race mentally, because for a lot of us, the, the battle is more mental than physical. We've completed our training. We did well with it. But now it's this whole thing. You have your doubts during taper. And we had an interview last week, about tapering and why we feel so grouchy, but then race day comes. So they say a marathon is 90% mental. And like I said, that's with the assumption that you did your training. What are your thoughts on that statement?
2: Well, I think running in general, and especially racing when you're chasing down a peak performance, there's a huge mental component to it. And you could have all the best training in the world. You could have executed beautifully And if you don't have your mind locked in right to the needs of the day, you're going to fall apart. So making sure that your mental training is on par with your physical training is critical to race day execution.
0: Yeah. And how do we do that? (laughs) 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 We've just done the physical training and now all of a sudden we're realizing, okay, we got to do something with our minds a week Uh out. What do we do a couple of weeks out?
2: It's, The million-dollar question right there, right? (laughs) So I I think the the starting point is always to recognize that even if you haven't trained your mind, I'm putting quotes around that, if you didn't do any mental training during your physical training, I guarantee that you did. You probably just didn't realize it. And so mental training is really really just the accumulation of how you showed up in your thoughts, in your attitudes, and your cognitive appraisals throughout your training cycle, And I guaranteed you did that when you were on the track, when you were doing your long runs, when you're doing your tempo workouts, there's always some interaction between what you're thinking and what you're feeling, what you're thinking and what you decide to do next. So whatever it is that you did in training, you can build upon as you get ready for your race. The the hope is that you were leaning into those things, right? That The biggest thing that talks us out of performing well is our mind telling us that we can't. That we're unable to, that we need to slow down, we need to stop, or that we're unable to hit the next rep. So, I think a big part of mental training is is executing in those moments to push past that discomfort and and to keep going despite feeling tired or fatigued or sore, whatever it may be.
0: That's a really good point. So, I mean, maybe sometimes they say showing up is half the battle by getting up at these godforsaken early morning hours, 5 a.m., we're there and we're completing the workouts, even if they can be crappy sometimes maybe that is something for us to think about too when it comes to mental training
2: absolutely one, one of the things I'll make everybody do it's it's a great exercise to practice as you're thinking about getting ready for your race is you know, th- there's this saying trust your training right well we, we need to extrapolate on the, on that like what is it that you trust about your training so I really recommend people go back over their last 12 weeks, 16 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever your training block was for this race, go through your training log and look at those moments. Remind yourself of those key moments in your training where you really did execute mentally, where you were you were tired and you didn't think you could do it, but you did it anyway, right? You took down that last rep or you were tired at mile 16 of a 20 mile long run and you finished strong the last four. What you need to do is you need to go back and remind yourself of those key examples that stand out in your training cycle. And I guarantee if, if you train for a marathon properly, you have 12 to 20 weeks of data. You're going to have moments that stand out in your mind that, that really emphasize the point.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing to do. We should do that. We should look over our logs. So yeah, let's, so let's shift over to during the marathon. So now we're at the marathon, we're running it and we still have energy. What do we think about? Is it better to, as they say, be in the mile or should we rather just let our thoughts drift and go on autopilot? What is better for a stronger performance from your expertise?
2: Yeah, both are important. And and what's most important is being able to be in control of that process. So there's, there's this the bigger, broader theory that we call attentional control. And the idea is that we can break how we focus and how we pay attention and how we concentrate down in categories, right? So think about it like a camera, right? So a camera can zoom in and it can zoom out, right? And we can do that with ourselves. We can zoom into something very specific. We can zoom out to something more broad. And then we we can do that both internally and externally. So we can do that within what's happening with us and then out to the world. And so you have these sort of four categories of ways to pay attention. And sometimes it's really important to have this like broad external focus, right? As the race is starting to be like tapped into the community of everybody going out, right? What the course feels like, the energy around you to have this broad external focus At other times when it gets challenging and hard, maybe down the stretch, you need to really zoom in, right. And focus very, very intently. that's where like mental mantras come in, right. You're focusing on one set of statements or one set of ideas. You could focus on like the next thing you see up on the race course, right. This like, Oh, I, I see that person. I'm going to go catch them. So you really internally focus on something in the environment, whether that's within you or ex, you know, out in the external environment. So what's really important for all of us is being able to have this ability to do that intentionally, to know when and where and why and how it's important to shift that level of concentration.
0: That's super interesting. I remember running the Chicago Marathon, and as I was getting more and more tired because I went out too fast, as a lot of us do, in the second half of the marathon, I was trying to well, I was just running and my thoughts went to completely different topics. I was thinking about my kids. I was thinking about painting the house and I realized my miles were getting slower and slower. So then I forced myself and shifted to thinking about just think about this very mile you're in and focus more. And it kind of helped me speed up a little bit. So so that's really interesting you say that, how that could both be helpful.
2: Yeah. And everybody has a different rhythm for that, right? Some people, they, they speed up when they're sort of tuned out and they can just kind of flow through it. Other people need to really concentrate to hold that pace. I think that's, it's a matter of practice, right? And this is why it's helpful as as you think about maybe your next marathon, right? Next season, right? How you can implement some of these ideas into your training, because, you know, your long runs are a great time to practice this as you're building up, right? You take chunks and stretches and you practice these skills to see what really works best for you.
0: All right. So let's move on to the concept of finding your why. Another saying that floats out in the running community and that you have to find a why that's bigger than yourself. So your running shouldn't just be for weight loss because it can be, but then you're not going to stick with it as much and and do the goals that you do with your marathon. So what are your thoughts on that about finding your why?
2: Yeah, again, I think it's it's a great question. It's critically important, right? And, And for a couple of reasons, right? There's there's kind of a new emerging model in our understanding of what limits endurance performance. And the, the model that's being used is called the psychobiological model, right? And so basically what they're saying is there's this interaction between our biology and our psychology that impacts decision-making. And one of those key ideas is motivation, right? The underlying meaning behind what we're doing, right? If you, if you don't have a good why, right? If your why is kind of loose, soft or not really etched in stone, when it gets hard, you're not going to fight for it, right? But if your why is deeply personal, right, it means a lot to you, or it's connected to something bigger than yourself, right? When it gets hard and in the marathon running, it gets hard, right? You're going to show up and you're going to push through and you're going to find a way to continue to, to stay with it. So declaring your why from the get-go, I think is really fundamentally important for each and every one of us, especially if you're thinking about running, running any long-distance event.
0: Yeah. What are some tips on how to find your why? If you just start running, kind of love it, and then now you're just kind of addicted to it, but you want to find something deeper beyond the excuses as, I want to stay in shape. Because obviously, if we're running 80 miles a week, we're not doing it to just stay in shape. There's something "Quote unquote," wrong yeah. with it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that? Well, that becomes a question, right? It's like, all right, scr- scratch on that surface, right? I mean, if 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 y'all are listening to this podcast, there's a why in there somewhere, right? I mean, y- you're you're in it for a reason. the 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 challenge is to figure out what that is, and it, again, it doesn't have to be one specific thing. I think you know I come at it from a place that I, I really believe adult endurance athletics offer an opportunity at self discovery like we're we're all in this because we're trying to find or learn something about who we are and what we're made of and what happens when things get challenging and what better way to test that than to go out and and run for a long distance or run hard for a short distance or whatever it may be. So whatever that that is like there's an inkling towards it you have to just kind of scratch at it and look at what might be underneath the surface to really better understand what that why may be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, something we can write down and have as homework for this week.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you've touched on these. So you've touched on this other subject a little bit earlier. What are your thoughts on running mantras and how do we pick the best ones for us? Because I know you know your mantra might not work for me.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's step one is recognizing that there's no universal mantra that's gonna work. And if you're going to borrow somebody else's, it's probably not going to work, right? You, you got you to develop that thing on your own. Um, for some, they're great, right? They work really, really well. And coming up with one or, or really figuring out what that mantra is um, really helps them. For others, it, it doesn't work, right? There's not, they, they just, it doesn't work for them. And that's okay too. There's, again, the underlying science behind this, there's, there's different types of what we call self-talk, right? So self-talk in general is how we talk to ourselves, right? No brainer. There, there's two types of sports specific self-talk. We have motivational self-talk, which is like being a coach, right? Like how you coach yourself up. Like you got this, you're doing great, right? And there's research behind saying I versus you, So we'll get to that in a second, but then there's also instructional self-talk. So instructional self-talk is more based on mechanics of movement, right? So it's a reminder, like how you should hold your body, how you should hold your posture, how you should be flowing through space. So if you're going to get into mantra, it's important to think about the distinction between that. Do you want an instructional self-talk kind of thing? How am I going to hold my body at this point, which could be good down the stretch when you're tired, you get kind of sloppy, your form falls apart. Do you want it to be mantra, sort of motivational based, right? Encouraging, like a coach in your head, a cheerleader. If you're going to go that route, the research really shows that using you rather than I is going to lead to better outcomes, right? So you got this, you're doing great. Talking to yourself, like from an outside perspective, rather than I got this, I'm doing great. So again, there's there's no right way to do this. I think it's a matter of like looking at the science, seeing what's underneath it. And then kind of determining and shaping what's going to be best for you.
0: That's so interesting. Can you perhaps elaborate on why talking to myself using the U form is better than the I form?
2: Yeah, it, it sort of it encourages this sort of um, external coaching, pushing along perspective. And so we're, we're talking out of the first person. So it's not, I got this. It's talking to ourselves as though we're like coaching another person right? So we become this agent of encouragement, this agent of pushing. And other than that, it's, I mean, there may be some other subtleties going on. It may be hard to really know, but the data is pretty clear. When you get into the you-based language, all the outcomes show people fatigue uh, less slowly, they perform better, they can uh, run to exhaustion longer. So it just, it leads to this improvement in our ability to, to stay with it.
0: That's cool. That's cool. So, um, my next question is that, and obviously everything I'm telling you is just stuff that's floating out there. So I'm not going to keep repeating that, but, uh, a a way of looking at the race is breaking it up into chunks. They say the race of the marathon, which is 26.2 miles doesn't start until the last 10 K, which is the 6.2 miles. So what are your thoughts on maybe breaking this marathon up in chunks to be able to digest it better mentally for obviously better performance goals?
2: It's 100% right. So we know, you know that we, um, one of the biggest things that leads to fatigue in our lives in general is what we call cognitive load, right? So cognitive load is just fancy language for how much stuff you have in your mind, how much you're thinking about, what your to-do list looks like, how much information you're chunking, and we know that the, the more cognitive load we have the more tired we are right so there's there's data that's coming out of the pandemic out of covid that shows working moms have had higher levels of burnout and fatigue and lower resiliency than working dads and when you cut under the research what you see is working moms are taking on more cognitive load right they in general sorry working dads I'm a working dad so not not <laughs> to rag on us but Working moms are taking on more thoughts about the household, more thoughts about the kids, more thoughts about the education, more thoughts about safety, and it's leading to exhaustion. How does this relate? So, Marathon running, 26 miles, I see a lot of people want to chunk it by going into 26 bits. and I see this at races all the time. People get to the one-mile banner, and they're like, yeah, one mile, got it. That's a long way to chunk a race. That's going to backfire in terms of cognitive load. So it's important to chunk it into more sizable bites. And there's a couple of ways to do this. I think the best way, if, if you're going for a performance goal, right? You're trying to PR, you're trying to qualify for Boston, you're trying to do something that's, that's really important for you. Three chunks, right? First 10 miles, second 10 miles, final 10K. And you have a race plan for each, right? So here's what I'm going to do for the first 10 miles, right? Here's what I'm going to think about. Here's how I'm going to shift that attentional focus and control, Here's how I'm going to keep my effort, my pacing, second 10 miles, the same thing, final 10K, let it rip. That's race time. The other way to chunk that some people do is based on hour, right? Which can provide, you know, for some people that's three chunks, for some it's four, for some that's five. It's still much more manageable than trying to chunk all 26 bits of information. So again, playing with that, figuring out what works, but you really just want three to five bits of info going into a race with a race plan for each and every chunk.
0: So, I mean, I guess, especially for the European runners, they have 42 chunks. <laughs> that might things, make things even worse.
2: <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah, that's a long way. Yeah, you're running Berlin this weekend? Yes. We're, I'm not sure when this... Are you running Berlin?
0: Well, by the time this airs, I will have run Berlin yesterday. <laughs> so. Berlin.
2: Yeah. Yes, that's that's 42... 42 data points to try to chunk. It's a lot.
0: That is a lot. lot. Yeah. Well, okay. So then break it up into chunks and figure out what to think about. Okay. Next one is setting A goals, B goals, and C goals.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's good too, but I always think a goal is sort of like the stars align and you have the race of races, right? Like you just, you blow your expectations out of the water, right? A B goal is like that solid, PR attempt that you're going for, right? And then a C goal is maybe not even just finish, because I think sometimes a a just finish goal can really be problematic for people too, if they're if they're hurt and they're injured and they can't give themselves permission to stop. I think a C goal is always listen to your body and and take the cues of that in terms of the next steps, right? So that's how I frame A, B, and C goals. The other formulation that I think about is, you know, we, we think there's a difference between outcome goals performance goals, and process goals, right? So think about it like a pyramid, right? So performance goals um, are in the middle. Outcome goals are at the top. Those are the two that matter for races. Outcome goals, you have very little control over, right? So what can I ask? What's your goal for Berlin?
0: At this point, I have some uh, nagging injuries on my ankle. So I'm right now, realistically, hoping I can still do sub 320.
2: Okay. So the outcome goal may be 320. Let's just call it 320, right? You have some control over that, but very little control over that, really, right? The things have to line up. The weather has to be okay. Your ankle has to be all right. Come race day, like actually getting to that outcome is sort of in your control, but sort of not, right? But we, we get so hung up on outcome goals. I want to PR. I want to sub this. I want to BQ. I want to do all these things that we don't have control over. The, the reason performance goals are really important is that it's about a standard of performance in the moment that you can always attain. Right. So I always recommend like, what are your performance goals for the race and the performance goals should be, I think to run as well as I can, given the conditions of the day and to not let fatigue, exhaustion impact my decision-making to slow down. If it's your body impacting your decision to slow down different story, right? Don't be running hard on a busted up ankle, but if it's mile 20 level of fatigue, exhaustion, can you stay with it? Can you have that performance standard of I'm going to push through this? I'm going to continue to run hard. So I think flipping the idea of AB and C goals to what are your performance standards for the race? Can you hold yourself accountable to that? Even if the outcome goal starts to slip. And what I see happen a lot is like, oh, 320 ain't happening. I know very clearly and then we let the performance standards slip and we're just like, the hell with it. I'm gonna do, I to don't I do even care anymore. Like, no, 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 Hold that performance standard. Keep running well. Keep running hard. Outcome's going to be what it's going to be. Make sure you feel good about your performance at the end of the day, not the outcome.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Again, something else to think about.
2: You got, you got time. You got 42 data points to chunk and, and think things through on Sunday. So you'll have plenty of time to think this through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess with that until the race comes, what are your thoughts on visualization? How does it work? Should we do it?
2: Well, again, it's to me, visualization is one of those things we, we we call it mental imagery um, over visualization. Um, It's another skill. It's another tool in the toolbox that really works for some people and really doesn't work for others. Again, I, it's one of those things you have to kind of play with. The whole idea behind mental imagery is you're putting yourself in sort of this, this rehearsal place, right? You're rehearsing something about, about the course, about your performance, about, you know, race day. There's a, there's a lot of ways to do that. If you really get into the weeds behind it, you want to make that as close to real as possible, right? So you put on your race day kit get your shoes on so you can have those tactile sensations behind what you're feeling. And then you go through this process of in as much detail as possible. You think about being in that situation. And again, this is one of those areas. There's a lot of ways to play with it. You can do it first person. So picture yourself running. You can do it sort of outside person. So you picture yourself as a, as a spectator, watching yourself move through space. You can try to do it for the whole event. You can try to do it through specific parts of the event. You could do it about like controlling your emotions before the event. There's all kinds of ways to do it. It's one of those things that I think if, if you haven't played with it up to now, it's a hard thing to try to add last minute, right? Because it be, can be kind of clunky. It takes some steps. It takes some practice. It's a great thing to try maybe for your next sequence. But if you haven't done it yet, I'd, I'd caution trying to make that a part of your practice right before a race.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. One more question about you were alluding to that earlier when you're talking about not letting fatigue and being tired defeat you. So how do we learn or what are your tips to kind of backtalk when we start feeling like that? Because, you know, honestly, for my own personal performance, the only reason I've not reached goals was because when I did get tired and fatigued, I just let it go.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it's all about what you say in that moment in your mind, how your mind judges and appraises that experience. And it matters how deep and personal your, your running goals are. Right. So I, a couple of years ago, I, my big running goal was to break three hours in the marathon. And so I ran a race for state CIM in December of, of 2019. And I was cramping at, at mile 18. And I was, I was whooped at 20. And yet there was 0% chance I was going to let that stop me from breaking three. And so I just had to like develop this ironclad strength in my head that this is, I'm not going to let this slow me down. These are signals, right? The fatigue I'm getting are signals from my body that my body is done, but my mind ain't done, right? And so I'm going to keep pushing, right? And so whatever you do in that moment is critical, because your, your body is going to provide information. And we have to think about it like this. Those, those signs are natural signs that your body is going to give you that says, this is starting to get uncomfortable. This is starting to hurt. You're getting tired. That curb over there looks really nice, right? You should go and sit down, right? But if your goals are deeply personal and deeply meaningful, and you have a really solid sense of talking to yourself that, no, I'm not going to listen to that. Like, I'm going to keep going. This matters a lot to me right? You're going to find a way to continue to fight through that. And that's where those breakthroughs occur, right? That that fatigue is a huge part of the sport and, and learning how to manage it is is critical in, um, in being able to reach your desired level of success.
0: It goes hand in hand with so many other things, such as my coach always tells me, start conservative because it's easier to run a race from the back, which completely makes sense because there's nothing worse when you're running and you're at mile 20, And people just keep blasting by you.
2: Yeah, that can be. And and then it's like what you tell yourself in that moment, right? It's so critical. People are running by you. And then if the thoughts in your mind are like, oh, my God, here, it's happening again. I'm starting to slow down. They're picking up. This is no good. Right. You just that cascade of thought is going to impact how you feel. It's going to impact your decision making. So a big part of it is to be able to remain neutral and and sort of declare what you're experiencing as normal. And then to have like really clear messages in your mind like, this is supposed to happen. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. This means I'm doing what I, I said I was going to do. I'm going to show up. It's going to maintain that performance standard. And I'm going to keep pushing here. I'm going to keep going. I, this doesn't mean I have to slow down.
0: Yeah, true. Wow. So much so much information, Justin. Thank you. I feel like I'm going to have to listen to this all over again and <laughs> take some notes here.
1: <laughs> sure. Sure.
2: That's helpful.
0: Yeah. So then what are your last minute tips for runners looking to do their fall races? What are your biggest few tips just to make it through race day and be happy with our performance?
2: Yeah. So uh, one, have fun, right? It, it's the reminder that we did this at, at some point along the way, we decided this was fun. And so here we are. We lose sight of that, right? So so have fun. Two, make it about performance standards, right? More than outcome. If you come back to what are your personal performance standards and write that down, it's really important. So for me, it's like, don't back down when you get tired, right? And that was it. Come when I when I broke three hours, it was you're not gonna back down when you get tired. That's not what you do, right? And think about that, it's not what you do. There's the you language based on performance standard, based on what you tell yourself when you get tired. All of that is critical in your performance, right? And the third is you are way more capable than you give yourself credit for. So just remind yourself of that, right? And if you do that, you're going to walk away having, having a great day.
0: Thank you, Justin.
2: My pleasure. Good luck, everybody.
0: All right. Thank you, Justin, so much for coming onto our podcast and spreading your expertise amongst us runners. Hopefully we can learn something from you and um, make this a fun and mentally strong race.
1: I like your choice of topics. I think you encompass a lot of different aspects of running. It helps make a, give people a complete package for improving their running and enjoying their running and everything.
0: Yeah, no, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. We were very conscious in picking our topics for this last few weeks, last few months, actually, with races coming up. We want to make sure that we have information about nutrition and training and tapering and and all that. And it's been fun and obviously also something that we can use for our own races.
1: Yeah, hopefully people will give you some feedback and see if like certain things have helped or so.
0: Yeah, so if you want to do that, obviously do it with a five-star review on iTunes, <laughs> <laughs> which we always greatly appreciate it. Um, and of course, we're on Instagram at Running Podcast and um, would love to hear from some of you. People have been reaching out lately and it's really nice to hear uh, that that uh, people do enjoy our episodes. So thank you guys so much
1: for that. What are we talking about next week? Oh, well, I don't know. This is very
0: far in the future, right?
1: <laughs> so what are we talking next month?
0: I guess, right? We are going to line up some really cool reviews, I'm sure. The Berlin Marathon Race Review. And then hopefully we get to speak to some people doing other races and see how their fall training went. And um, I don't know. Hear about races is always something fun for us to do. And we're also going to try to get um, our community involved in telling us how their marathon went. So if you want to do that and participate in that, if you ran one of those big major marathons, then join our running community on Facebook. We can be found as Running With Friends community. And yeah, and that's it.
1: And without further ado, it's dinner time.
0: Anyway, enjoy your races and until next time. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.